The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, Major Professional Events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings one and all. My name is the aforementioned Tony Lightfoot, and this is another episode of the TWBC Podcast. BC podcast are coming to you from the King of Darkness, uh, taking place in Winter Garden, and uh, another special guest has uh, joined me up here in the Crow's Nest. Uh, her name is uh, Karen Truelove. How are you doing, Karen? Doing great today, Tony. Uh, I'm, I'm especially pleased uh, to uh, to have you here to talk uh, talk about uh, water skiing in general and your accomplishments and all that kind of stuff and uh, and your relationship with uh, with one of the greatest jumpers of all time. But uh, we'll uh, we'll touch upon that uh, all all within the the scope of this podcast. But uh, 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 first off, uh, so. Karen Trulove, you're certainly one of the most consistent women slant skiers of all time, you know, on the pro- professional level and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, but how, how have you been skiing recently? Um, recently, I mean, we always want more, I guess, than what's actually happening at the current time. Um, I guess I, I'm kind of just in a different phase of my life right now with the, you know, the kids growing up and um, just getting a little bit more involved in, you know, other aspects of life. So... I'm uh the I'd say like my performances aren't where I want them to be right now but um the cool thing I think is, is that I'm learning more about myself and the sport than you know I have in years past and so I mean it's something that I've always felt like was a little bit of a a goal of mine was to try to learn more about like the technical side of things um so yeah I mean I'm kind of um almost being forced in a certain way I guess to learn a little bit more than you know than I've known so it's um it's you know, it's a a good thing. It's a little bit, I guess, bittersweet at times because we always want to, you know, have those really high performances. Um, but uh, but I feel like it'll pay off, you know, in the future. Trying to be a little bit more efficient is a, is um, I think you think is what you're trying to say a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, just had you know, it's been uh, you know after kind of having the kids and life getting a little bit more um, full. I guess it's um, you know trying to kind of find you know, a good balance, um, for me and, and, um, you know, over my career, there's been, you know, a substantial amount of, um, changes within the sport technology wise and things. So it was always, you know, kind of always having to adapt to what's coming at you. And, um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of at one of those little areas again. All right, then. You mentioned the kids a little bit, and we'll uh, we'll touch upon them in just a moment. But I mean, you mentioned the changes in the sport because I mean, when when we when we first uh, uh, saw saw each other, it was probably at somewhere at Cobble Ski School or at Bennett's or that kind of stuff. And back in those days, it was like hand driven type stuff, you know, and kind of get you know, in the, those situations, is you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit, you know. <laughs> uh, but today, the technology has moved along. Uh, the the best drivers in the sport, uh, their their nuances behind the wheel have been, 
you know, from their hand driving have been replicated into zero off and that kind of thing. But uh, do you see that as being the major technical achievement within the sport uh, that that's re that's really brought uh, brought the game up in in that way? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. I think, um, you know, I I would say looking back, I. I you know, I didn't really, man-made lakes weren't really something, you know, there's only a few man-made lakes out there when I was coming along. And then now, you know, we, we rarely ski on lakes that aren't man-made. So mm -hmm. it's kind of flipped. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, the, just the conditions are more controlled, if you will. I know we can't control the weather, but you know, the conditions are more controlled and then just having the consistency of, um, you know, the speed control and, you know, the, the, boats are been improved on and the driving it's just so many more things are more consistent these days um and it's just it gives you an opportunity to really dial in um you can kind of depend on that consistency to sort of navigate your way through and and you know you sort of know okay well i'm i definitely had the had the same driver had the same so many of the same conditions so you can really start um you know zeroing in on what you need to be working on whereas like you said before um, we, you know, it used to just be such a shot in the dark as to what was going on. We, d we just didn't know, you know, ignorance is, I don't know if ignorance is bliss is the right phrase to use right now, but we, we just didn't know, you know, we didn't know that the driving made such a big difference and the ropes make such a big difference and oh, yeah. conditions and buoy size. And I mean, there's a quite whole, a long list whole bunch of variables yeah. there you know i mean um, and i mean for where you come from originally north carolina y'all had uh y'all had uh the foot the fortune of having some really good drivers up there like the likes of tommy harrington who drove driven at trophy lakes and all of those great sites and i mean you started out uh in the raleigh durham area didn't mm -hmm. you with uh, skiing against the likes of april coble and that kind of stuff you know but uh, you were rather rather fortunate to have someone to ski against you know in in you know to kind of train you up and, uh, and be really really competitive you know in your infancy up there yes absolutely i mean if it wasn't for April and then Tammy Hargis, um, you know, I had two girls that were, we were all really similar in age. And if it wasn't for, you know, being in that, those conditions, um, kind of having that environment, I mean, I don't think I'd, I know I wouldn't be where I am today. I mean, it's, it makes such a difference. I see it in my kids. Um, you know, I actually see it in my skiing now. It's, you know, it's so much nicer when you kind of have somebody who is similar in, you know, kind of skill level and you can train with and sort of bounce things off of and, you know, kind of give you that push. Um, cause it's, you know, it's, it's always, you know, nice to have a little, you know, we're, we're mostly self-motivated, but you know, it's nice to have that extra little push and see what's out there. But yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate to grow up in North Carolina. We had, um, I think we just, I was around a lot of people that had a level of, uh, curiosity and mm -hmm. desire and drive, um, to want to make things better. And they wanted to gain knowledge and, um, they're willing to share. So it was just, um, it was a great environment, very competitive environment, and you know I think we still see it 20, 30 years later. Yes, indeed, and it, it was that competitive environment that allowed you and April and April Kovalella to to flourish and uh, ski on the world teams in the junior level. You know, I think you think you went to Italy and uh, you know, to Canada and all of those and all of the, and all of those places. How much of a life changing experience was that for you in in the junior level? I mean, I guess it just shows you, you know. I mean, I grew up in a little small town and, you know, you played normal sports, I guess you call it like basketball and, 
you know, volleyball, football, and, you know, to be able to have the opportunity to get out and see the world and know that there's a kind of a, you know, a whole big world out there, another way to live and, you know, be different people with different cultures. I mean, it was exposure that I couldn't have gotten, you know, just doing more traditional sports. So, um, you know, I think it just uh, kind of gave me a desire to want to seek out, you know, something, you know, a little bit outside the norm. And, you know, it was so valuable. Very thankful for the experience. All right. Continuing our little trip down memory lane, because in terms of collegiate water skiing, both you and April uh, through through your transfer from and uh, uh, from NLU to uh, to UNC uh, established what is uh, what what it, what is known in certain circles as the true love Cobal rule now, which means that you kind of have to take a red shirt if you transfer transfer from one school to the other. You know, uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about how you feel you impacted collegiate water skiing in that regard. You know, at the time, that was not, like, our intention at all was to stir things up. We were, you know, we both had, um, we were attending Chapel Hill together, and um, April actually had started dating um, a guy named Brian Swenson, and so she was looking at going there, and, and um, you know, going and skiing at a college, going and skiing at a college on a scholarship, um, that was, you know, it was being done, but it was still a bit of, um, you know, it was still a bit unheard of. Um, still unusual. So, um, and you know, my seasons were fairly short, you know, in North Carolina. Uh -huh. So the idea of being able to go and, and kind of ski and be in that environment, um, was appealing to me just to, you know, just to have the experience for one semester. And it turned out that it happened to be the fall semester, you know, which was when they had collegiate nationals. So yeah, we, I mean, we didn't know what we were, um, stirring up there, but, um, yeah, apparently there's a April and Karen rule that was established, you know, Indeed. <laughs> because it of that. Yeah, and uh, and fun and funnily enough, it your 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 little stint at NLU, okay, which is mm -hmm. now ULM now the Warhawks. Yes. Yeah, you were the Indians back then, you know. So we've got going down a little bit of NCWSA history, but uh, that little stint there uh, was the genesis of probably one of the greatest power couples in all of tournament water skiing. Care to? Uh, care to expand upon that Karen yeah I mean I you know it changed my life I mean I had no idea um you know that that decision you know would be such a um you know be such a big decision you know going there um you know I, I can't even remember I think I met Freddie um somewhere along the way like maybe at a nationals or something um you know we honestly we were just friends we happened to live across the street um our dorms faced each other and and we just got to know each other um you know I was not really looking to pursue a I, I guess I thought I was going to be a professional skier along with being having like a profession um whereas in talking with him all he wanted to do was be a professional skier and he was had a very strong desire to do so but um it's kind of ironic because you know I had already been on the pro tour and um you know, had never heard of this guy, Freddy Krueger. So when he was talking to me, I was like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's got, he's ambitious, you know. Um, but we just, we just developed a friendship at that time and then kind of parted ways. You know, I went back to North Carolina. He went um, to LSU and, um, and then we kind of picked up our friendship, you know, through the next semester. And then, um, 
you know, kind of realized that we wanted, both of us wanted more and started dating that next summer. Wow. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and, and, and obviously to the, to this day, I mean, that, that friendship, that relationship, you know, continue, continues on. I mean, in a recent Facebook post, I, I, I mean, Freddie, you know, he does, he doesn't talk very often. He doesn't, you know, he keeps his ver heart, heart very much to his sleeve, you know, in a lot of his communications online, we don't hear from him too much, but in a recent post, I mean, he, he, he in no uncertain terms said that if it wasn't for you being there, encouraging him along and giving him the pointers he wouldn't be where he would be he is right now being the winner of the master's jump title and having claimed master's jump title in each of the last four decades i mean i mean i mean come on tell me tell it's us a little quite bit. a compliment yeah. yeah um i mean you know i feel like uh i don't know i mean it's, it's sometimes i look back on it and i'm like where's the last 20 years gone so sometimes i you know, it's all kind of been a blur. Um, we've both kind of had our heads down and taken each season, you know, as it comes and tried to make the best of what was ahead of us. So, um, I mean, I think, I think what you see of Freddie, you know, is also is what, you know, is what I see of Freddie. I mean, what you see is what you get. He's very, um, uh, detail oriented and determined. And, you know, he just has a level of focus that you just don't see, um, very often. So, you know, he's a, he's a easy student, I guess, if you, if you want to call me the coach and him the student, um, you know, he, I just feel like he, I mean, honestly, he's, he's actually kind of taught me along the way how to, um, coach him, if you will. So, you know, when we first were together, I mean, I didn't know what, I didn't know anything about jumping. I didn't know what I was doing. And he, you know, his dad, his dad was a teacher, so he kind of has that, um, gift, you know, to do that. So over the years, he's just kind of told me, you know, hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. And I guess, you know, over the time, over that time, I've kind of learned to be, you know, a good coach for him. So, um, you know, we, we work well together and, you know, I, you know, I, I, I believe in him. I, with my, all my heart and soul. So I think that just kind of shows through when, you know, when the times get tough, if you will. So we dig deep when we need to. Excellent and excellent stuff. And, uh, before we before we bring the uh, the podcast to a close, we we would be remiss without you know touching upon the kids, you know Ridge and Dash, you know because I mean you're coaching them, you're encouraging them along, as being 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 parents of 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 tournament water skiers, being having the status that you have, you know at the high echelon level. I mean, I mean. How careful are you in in managing what what Dash and Ridge do out there on the water so far as coaching and performance wise? You know, to where they don't burn out like so many kids often do in sports of this type. Yeah, I mean it's not easy. I we're <laughs> we're kind of going along, you know, taking each day um, as it comes with that as well. So um, you know, as their personalities kind of and desire kind of develops, we're sort of um, we're responding to that, I guess. Um, they're getting more determined to want to get more involved in skiing. Um, kind of what you touched on earlier, you know, with me having the relationship um, that I had in North Carolina with, you know, April and Tammy, you know, they're seeing that with the other kids. So it's, um, I mean, I think that's so valuable to kind of get that, get out there and, you know, have the exposure and, you know, the encouragement and the, and the um, you know, just little competition goes a long way. So, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, with the pandemic and, 
um, everything kind of shutting down. I think we all, you know, Freddie and I both were like, you know, wow, this is, um, you know, we can still, the kids can still ski. Like they, they aren't able to do a, the other things they were kind of involved in, but they can still ski. So, I mean, that kind of gave us some, some valuable time on the water. Um, and, you know, just, they just kind of um, started falling in love with the sport, you know, like we all have. Excellent stuff. So uh, we'll wrap it up around about there. But uh, any any thanks, any shout outs you'd like to give uh, to in nearest and dearest? You know, I have to say thank you to my family and, um, you know, my everybody back in North Carolina. And, you know, Mastercraft has been there from the beginning. And, you know, we just, um, yeah, wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't be able to keep moving forward without without Mastercraft. So just big shout out to those guys. And you know, looking forward to the tournaments and, you know, coming up later in the year. We've got some, uh, the calendar's getting a little bit full here, which is great. And got the Mastercraft Pro and Worlds and stuff. So looking forward to close out with a, a bang. All right. You've been listening to Karen True Love here on the TWBC podcast. My name's Tony Lightfoot. Uh, great to, uh, to have you and thank you for uh, participating. And uh, that's it for this episode. Be sure to join us uh, for the next episode. But until then, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.